You're listening to the Next Generation Gym Owners People and Profits Podcast, where we focus on taking your passion and turning it into your profits. Join us for interviews with business experts, industry influencers, and more. Let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Next Generation Cheer and Gymnastics Owners Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cotton, and today we are going to be talking about three things that gymnastics gyms get right, that cheerleading gyms get wrong. Now, before we get into the episode, I want you to head over and join uh, Cheer and Gymnastics Owners on Facebook group. It used to be NG Cheer and Gymnastics Owners, and now it's just Cheer and Gymnastics Owners group on Facebook. Uh, If you are not a gym owner, though, I want you to head over and join the All-Star Cheer Coaches and Owners page. That is for owners and coaches who coach cheerleading. And if you have done those things, head over to nextgenowners.com, subscribe to our blog, and make sure that you are joining us for our conference in Dallas, Texas, this summer, June 23rd through the 25th. You can get registered right there on the website. And last but not least, please, as always, share this podcast with someone who you think would get something out of it, someone who you think needs to listen to it, whether it be this episode or a past episode, but someone who you think could get something out of the podcast. Uh, The more you share it, the more owners we can reach uh, and the more people we can positively impact with these episodes. All right, so why are we talking about this? Well, I'll be honest, this isn't every cheerleading gym doesn't get these things wrong and every gymnastics gym doesn't get them right, but this is kind of a generality. Now, my background in this is I grew up doing gymnastics. That's actually what I was initially trained in that was my athletic progression is I started as a gymnast and I started really, really young at like age three. I started in a recreational tumbling class and then I started doing teams and my coach was just really, really impactful in my life. I looked up to him a lot. And if you had asked me as a child growing up what I was going to be doing for the rest of my life, I would have told you gymnastics. It was all I wanted to do. It was all I cared about. All my friends were in gymnastics. I had my, the posters on my wall of that, you know, Dominique Mochianu on my uh, bedroom wall and Carrie Strug and all these amazing gymnasts um, that I looked up to, uh, even though I was a male gymnast and they were female gymnasts, but they were, I mean, they were amazing. And uh, so I watched them. I grew up watching them and you know, youth me, young me would have punched you in the face if you had said I was going to someday own a cheerleading gym. I would have laughed you out of the room. Um, But now that I do, and now that I work with gym owners from across the spectrum, I have owners from all walks of life that I work with. I work with owners who are purely competitive cheerleading. I have owners that I work with who do recreational cheerleading and some gymnastics. I have owners that I work with that do only gymnastics and recreational classes, and they don't do any cheerleading at all. Absolutely zero competitive cheer. And so in this episode, I want to talk about just some industry things that I think that are three things that gymnastics gyms get right as an industry that cheerleading gyms tend to get wrong. Again, it's not a be all end all. It's not an every single time, but this is a pretty commonplace occurrence. So number one is they start athletes young and develop them slowly. Number two is gymnastics gyms understand that diverse revenue streams keep the doors open. And number three, scholarships for gymnastics gyms basically don't exist. So getting into each one and talking about them and why they're important. So number one, gymnastics 
programs start athletes young and develop them slowly. Uh, if you are a cheerleading gym owner, you always appreciate it when a athlete who has trained gymnastics for four, five, six years comes into your gym because they technically, from a tumbling perspective, are incredibly sound. They're much more sound than the average cheerleading gym athlete who has progressed even from the beginning. Even when they started younger, you tend to see a much higher level of attention to detail on technique from gymnasts. And that is because they tend to start them very young. So they start at you know, preschool ages, just with general body awareness and progressing them uh, through basics. And they spend a lot of time in those basic skill sets and building the strength and building the conditioning and focusing on the technique. A lot of drills to dial in technique and dial in flexibility and dial in strength. And I, I can think back to my own time as a young gymnast where I was frequently uh, you know, not working on difficult skills, but I was working on my flexibility. I was working on my hollow body shaping. I was working on my ability to initiate rotation utilizing my shins. I was working on all those different things beyond just training my routines and my competitive skills. I would say on average, we were doing 75% drilling and conditioning and, uh, strengthening of our bodies and body awareness and having good lines versus the 25% of skill development and learning new skills. And that is something that gymnastics really gets right. And are there some cheer gyms that progress slowly? Yes. Are there some cheer gyms that really focus on the technique? Yes. But in general, across the board, gymnastics gyms are excellent at this. They really understand it. They've kind of figured it out and they have no problem selling it. They, you know, in the cheer world, we would call that selling, you know, vegetables to people looking for ice cream, where in gymnastics, people are coming looking for the vegetables. They are expecting that. And so I think they do a really amazing job of getting athletes started at a young age, understanding why it's important to progress correctly and slowly and developing them um, really intentionally to help them get to where they need to be uh, in a safe, efficient, and effective manner. Number two is that gymnastics gyms understand that diverse revenue streams keep the doors open. And what do I mean by this? I mean that I don't know when they figured it out, but gymnastics gyms seemed to figure out really early on that you needed to have more than just competitive gymnastics to keep your competitive gymnastics gym open. You needed to have recreational classes. You needed to have preschool classes. You needed to have summer camps. You needed to have tumbling clinics. And I can remember as a young kiddo participating in all of those things. I remember going to summer camp. I remember when I was, you know, 12 and I got the opportunity to work summer camp and help out um, in the gym and volunteer my time. And as a young, dedicated, I love gymnastics. I love everything about the gym. I wanted to be there. I wanted to be doing those things. And so, even, you know, my small gym run by my coach, who I don't think had any business experience at the time, understood that you needed to have diverse revenue streams. And I see this all the time. You know, my kids went to a gymnastics gym for a little while. And, you know, I was running a competitive cheerleading gym right down the street. And I'm looking around going, man, they they have two dedicated front desk people uh, who are just totally dedicated on on selling classes, you know, and that's what my kids were there for was just tumbling classes. You know, they had a 
an entire side of their building that was dedicated to classes. Um, and they have always had camps being advertised and, you know, parents nights out and all these different really diverse revenue streams while still having a thriving competitive gymnastics program. But they really did a great job promoting the recreational side. And I see that with all of the gymnastics gyms across my area and all the gyms I work with. You know, I'm when I'm talking to gym owners that are focused on the gymnastics side, we spend a little bit of time talking about their team kids, but the majority of our time is spent talking about their preschool programs, their recreational programming, delivering that product, finding more athletes to join those programs. You know, how do we market to that? How do we grow those programs? And very little time talking about their competitive gymnasts. On the flip side, in the cheer world, when I'm talking to a cheer gym owner, on average, I would say 50% of our coaching calls involve things around competitive cheer, navigating the nuances of going to Summit or Worlds uh, or All-Star Worlds or finding new events or creating your budget for the next season or you know where do you get uniforms or dealing with challenges with teams in general. So you spend a lot of time focusing on those things as a cheer gym owner. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying that we tend to go down that rabbit hole And gymnastics gyms do a really good job of understanding that these diversified revenue streams give them freedom and bring in more revenue and allow them to provide competitive cheer while also keeping the doors open and having a good staff and paying themselves, uh, you know, a salary. I encounter a lot less gymnastics gym owners who are like, man, I've never paid myself. Now, are a lot of gymnastics owners underpaid? Yes. Would I like to help them figure out ways to get paid more as an owner? Absolutely. But I've talked to less. I'm not saying they're not out there. I'm sure they exist. But I tend to talk to less gymnastics owners who are like, man, I've never paid myself as an owner. Um, Most of them are like, no, I pay myself. It's not enough. I work, you know, their effective hourly rate is definitely still too low. But they understand Uh, how to bring in enough revenue to pay themselves some money. Again, I'm not saying every gymnastics gym has it right. And if you don't reach out, we're here to help. That's what we specialize in. But in general, gymnastics gyms understand that those diversified revenue streams are what keep the doors open and allow them the freedom to work on other things like their teams. And speaking of teams, the last one is scholarships for gymnastics gyms basically don't exist. I have yet to talk to a gymnastics gym owner who's like, oh yeah, I have these kids that are scholarship to be on my teams because, well, they have a, a full in back out or, uh, you know, they're a really, really elite level one gymnast and, or I'm sorry, level 10 gymnast. When I was a gymnast, it went backwards. So I don't know why I just did that. A really elite level 10 gymnast and, you know, they're going to go to college and get a scholarship. And so I don't make them pay to train. Uh, You just don't hear of that because in gymnastics, and this is an advantage of the sport because it's individually based, aside from getting some cred of having a really great gymnast train in your facility, uh, you really don't, it doesn't do anything. Like you don't, if that athlete doesn't compete, yeah, there are team like overall all around competitions, but generally speaking, that's not what most gyms are, are focused on. And so if an athlete can't pay, then they don't play, they don't get to compete. They don't get to be on the team. And so there's really no incentive to scholarshiping them. And I, I think that the majority of gym owners I talk to from the gymnastics world don't quite even fathom the idea that 
cheer gym scholarship kids to do cheerleading for free um, and or even go beyond just a scholarship of like, hey, you don't have to pay tuition, but we'll pay for kids to travel and buy them uniforms and do all sorts of extra things for athletes because you have that added stressor of you need to deliver for the team. So uh, it is just something that's not existent. And I think it's something they get right is they don't scholarship kids. Uh, and that is such a key component to being a profitable business. So those are my three things. I know they're quick. I know they're easy, but um, I think they're three really big ones. And they're three ones that we can change as an industry uh, in cheer. Now, some of my favorite gyms to work with are actually hybrids. They're the gyms that offer both gymnastics and cheerleading because uh, one, it satisfies both of my loves. I love gymnastics and I love cheerleading. Um, and also it gives them so many options of different revenue streams. And now, is it a challenge? Yeah, it can be a real challenge for space because gymnastics equipment takes up room, right? You got to have your uneven bars. You got to have your beam. You got to have your vault if you are going to that level where athletes are vaulting. If you want to do men's gymnastics, it's even more complicated because you got to have rings. You got to have high bar. You got to have parallel bars. You got to have palm horse. You got to have all the different events. Um, and those just take up space, right? You don't need a ton of it, but they do take up space. And then you probably want trampolines and other things like that for gymnastics versus to add in cheer. Right now you've got your competitive cheer floors and all of that stuff. So it can be challenging if you are sitting here going, man, I should start a gymnastics program because it recreational gymnastics is a great revenue stream. Um, you may be able to do it without much equipment though. So, uh, there's a lot of ways to incorporate gymnastics training and still offer, you know, preschool gymnastics or youth gymnastics and not offer competitive gymnastics teams and gymnastics recreational classes. Now, I highly recommend if you're going to say that you're offering gymnastics, that you have someone who is actually a gymnastics coach who understands gymnastics, whether they were a previous gymnast, but have them get some certification and some training. So you're not falsely advertising and saying you're giving people gymnastics training when you're really just calling your cheer tumbling gymnastics. Anyways, so those are some really fun people to work with and I love it because they they have so many different ideas and they're able to take from all of the different aspects uh, that we provide in NextGen and it's really, really cool. And so if you're looking for help with that uh, and you're not ready for coaching, then you've got to come to our conference in Dallas because we're going to have so many different gyms. There's going to be gymnastics programs there. There's going to be cheer programs there. There's going to be people from all different walks of life in providing for the youth sports or after school industry um, at this conference. And you can learn so much just from being in the same room as people and talking to them and eating lunch with people and getting dinner and doing those things and learning about how they run their businesses. So we're going to be in Dallas June 23rd through the 25th. You can get registered at nextgenowners.com. I promise you it is going to be worth it. Uh, we're working on getting the hotel block out this month. And you can bring your coaches, you can bring your managers. We have tracks for all of them. And we haven't even finished building all the classes, but let me tell you, the stuff that's on there is going to be, it's already amazing. Um, so I cannot wait to see you all in Dallas. Uh, if you are in need of understanding, please reach out to me, shoot me an email, send me a Facebook message. I'm here. I'm here to listen. My email is dan at nextgenowners.com. I can talk to you about conference and what we have going on. Now, 
if you are a cheer gym owner and you are a little bit hurt by my, you know, calling us out in cheer gyms of what we're getting wrong, I want you to get ready because I am going to be doing an episode, probably not the next one, but pretty soon I'm going to be doing an episode about what cheer gyms get right that gymnastics gyms get wrong because I think there are some things on the other side as well that gymnastics gyms need to take note of some of the things we're doing in cheer and using that to potentially grow their businesses. So some things that we do right that they um, more consistently don't get right. All right, so as you leave the episode, I want you to write down what of the three things that gymnastics gyms get right, that cheer gyms don't, that you might need to work on. And then post this somewhere publicly where you work, whether it is start athletes young and develop them slow, or understand diverse revenue streams can keep the doors open, or no more scholarships, right? Write it down and revisit it regularly and stick to those things. And if you're a gym that gets all of these right, then still make a point to note what it is you're getting right, why it is you're getting it right, and then continue to do that and make sure that you are staying on the right path to continuing to have a profitable, successful business that takes your passion and builds more profit into your life, more profit into your gym, and benefits you and your employees and your athletes. All right, if you enjoyed this episode, thank you for listening to the entire thing. Make sure that you check out the Let's Talk Cheer podcast with Jason Larkins. He is my friend. He is a great podcaster. He's got some really amazing content over there. So make sure you go check out that podcast as well. Share this episode with anyone you think would get something out of it, and we will catch you on the next one. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Next Generation Gym Owners People and Profits Podcast. If you would like to be featured on our podcast, click the link in our description to apply. If you're interested in joining NextGen, visit our website at www.nextgenowners.com. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening.